Hey, welcome to Gen X Voice. Nobody asked us, so let's get our voices heard. Written off years ago as the Slacker generation, we actually have brought a lot to the world behind the scenes. Now we need to bridge two opposing generations and make sure non-Karen voices are heard. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and I'm going to interview Gen Xers being rad and doing cool shit in the world. You can follow me at Gen X Voice on Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Check out other podcasts, videos, and blogs at genxvoice.com. Even though the focus of this platform will be to celebrate Generation X, the goal is to interview as many people as possible from lots of generations, backgrounds, and experiences. Let's unpack some of our differences and attempt to discover what truly ties us all together. With so much division and pain in the world today, instead of shutting people down for their age or other features outside of their control, let's listen to these voices and discover common ground so we can come together and create a better world for all. I don't want to be an army one. Hey listeners, what are you doing the weekend of December 5th? While you're trimming your Christmas tree or setting up your solstice lights, prepping the menorah for Hanukkah, or getting those shoes ready for St. Nick, why not hang out and listen to a virtual podcast convention? All weekend long, you can tune into podcasts from all around the globe hosted by PodVCon. Gen X Voice is excited to have a live slot at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on December 5th. I'll have millennial guest Sharon on from the episode, What Do Gen X and Millennials Have in Common?, compare and discuss Christmas traditions like toys, food, music, and other related topics with me. Find Gen X Voice on Facebook and tune in. Not into Facebook? Don't worry, I'll upload the session the following Tuesday wherever you currently listen to the podcast. This episode's guest is another student from when I taught in Illinois. He has been a big part of keeping the indie slash punk scene alive in Springfield by having a music venue and a record store. We discuss the punk and DIY ethos, as well as the importance of all ages shows being a way we as humans can tear down ageism. After recording this, I thought it would be so neat to hear how the all ages indie rock slash punk scene looks in different parts of the world. So, dear listeners, since live music is at a standstill in this COVID world, I invite you to tag at Voice with a pic of an all-ages show from your past on Instagram or join the Gen X Voice page on Facebook and post a picture and tell us where you're from. Let me know how the DIY scene looks like from where you are. And like our guest Brian tells us, let's keep going to shows when we can again, no matter how old we are. And this Christmas, either buy a record from Dumb Rex or just support a local business in your neighborhood or town by shopping there for gifts. Enjoy the show. Hi, Brian. Hi, Mademoiselle. The Dish. <laughs> Trip, the Dish. That is freaking awesome. Très bien, très bien. Um, and I just have to ask, are you recording at your record store right now? No, things would be way too crazy if I was. It is Halloween <laughs> right now. It's a Saturday. It's the last Saturday of the farmer's market. So I have somebody else working the store right now. And I'm just at home. I, have, I actually have an apartment downtown. So I'm overlooking the city as I'm sitting here at my desk. I can see the state capitol and the Hilton, which is now not a Hilton anymore. I can see the old state capitol too. 
Oh, that's amazing. I've lived downtown. Um, I lived off of Adams and, oh, I don't know. It was a little farther down than the square. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where are you at? Are you like over Moldner's or something? No, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm right by Springfield High School, actually. Right by the old Maid Right. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome. Okay, yep. so yeah, that's kind of in my old hood. <laughs> I'm up here on the third floor. I have a nice view of the city from up here. I like it. I like living downtown, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's what's your favorite part of living downtown? Um, well, I really like that the like my record store is just literally a five-minute walk away. Um, I just like being right in the center of, of Springfield and everything going on, you know? And I love being able to just ride my bike around or skateboard around downtown. I've been doing that a lot, like during this pandemic, because it's also kind of dead too, you know, it it usually is. But like, I love like weeknights, especially is just like, there's not really anybody out and about downtown. So it's like, you have this whole city to yourself that, you know, it's just really fun to run around, hang out on the parking garages and, and all that. So. Yeah, I used to have a friend that would rollerblade all around um, because when I moved to Springfield in 2002, downtown was still pretty dead, too. There wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot of things that were happening. And we had Andiamo um, and Trout Lily and Moldner's and Jimmy's Sub Shop, where my band used to play some some shows. And Last time you were in town, you pointed that place out to me, I want to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. When we were seeing on the corner. Um, yeah. So anyway, so it was really dead. I mean, the, the most exciting thing that was going on was the farmer's market. And, um, my window used to face down on the street that the farmer's market was going down. So I was always up at 6am jumping down there to get soap and garlic and all kinds of good food. That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. it's still thing, of course. I enjoy the farmer's market myself as well. I don't get out there nearly as much as I should, but it's always great like having the store. We're, I mean, we're just a block over from the farmer's market, so we get a lot of the farmer's market crowd coming in to our, our store like on Saturday and, and Wednesday mornings they do them too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to do this podcast with me. Um, you. I'm just... So excited because you are also one of my former French students, and um, I just think that I I got to meet just the most interesting students at Southeast High School, taking my rando French class, and uh-huh. um, and and you were such an interesting person because you were uh, such an amazing artist, and you were my TA for a year and do you remember what I used to have you do yep <laughs> I, I you refreshed my memory when you were in town a couple of years ago but I used to draw silly drawings for for all all the different words right yeah yeah for the vocabulary words your your art and then I remember you and um a group that you were with um in one of the classes you guys came up with this crazy story all in French about a baby that was had a pizza head and had a knife do you remember that story uh no not really maybe it's I mean it sounds definitely sounds like something I would 
be a part of, but uh, no, maybe it's back to me a little bit. I got to say too, I've listened to your podcast a couple of times. This the, your intro song that you play, the Resident Genius song "Army of One," has got to be like one of my favorite songs that's ever came out of the city. Oh, Brian, that's so rad! Thank you so much. I had to mention that like while we're early on in the recording, I know that like you, that's your intro, you know? Yeah, yeah, and um, that's that's me playing that um, that 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 guitar part in the beginning. That's so um, great. Yeah, it's and and Jason wrote that. I can't take any credit. I mean, I practiced so hard for that. Like, but that is yeah, and it's such a great great songs lyrically. Like, that's all Jason Perry, man. He what a what a prolific songwriter. And but thank you because you're one of the only students that I ever had that came to um a show that I did because I quit the band because teaching and being in the band was just too much. Right. And there was other stuff, but but you actually my freshman year, I want to say, right? I think so. Yeah. Cuz I was just thinking about this, the first show I ever went to in high school, which I had gone to a couple in junior high, but I specifically remember the first show of freshman year was at Cafe Andiamo and Resident Genius played, and I remember seeing Resident Genius, but I don't think you were there. And it was one of the last uh, young shows too. So so what year would that have been? 2004, fall of 2004. Yeah. So I quit right, I quit right around that time. Before then. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I got the teaching job. I think I did one practice and just left. And, but we used to play on demo a lot down in the basement. And um, so I got the opportunity to set up a couple shows there a couple years ago. So that was like a really important thing for me because it was kind of like, full circle, you know, like that was one of the first shows I, I find, had fond remember, memories of that place and they didn't do a whole lot with it since then. But during the last few years of Andiamo being around, which they recently closed down, oh, um, to set up a couple shows there. And then there was bread stretchers too. Yep. And that's where you went to see when I, when I went, um, and played like just just one one show that um, it was a couple years after I had quit, and Jason was mm-hmm. like, "Just come do this one because even in blackouts are in town." And um, yeah, and we were really close to that band, and they even stayed in my studio apartment oh, off of Scarrett, Second and Scarrett. And it's like you know, I had like my living room was my bedroom, and everyone was on the floor. I mean, just so punk rock, like <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> life. So <rad>. Yay! <laughs> That's amazing. So, Brian, I have to ask, how in the world um, did you fall into that indie um, music scene in Springfield, Illinois? Uh, I've always kind of been around it, I guess, um, even throughout high school. And I was pretty quiet about it. Like, I, I, it was interesting because I was, like, going to shows at typically the Black Sheep Cafe, which started in 2005. So it was, like, right around that time that you were done playing, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I started playing in a ska band like at the end of 2005 um, called Bastone's Best. And I was like, we were playing shows a lot, um, but I wasn't really, it was, I wasn't really talking about it in high school at all. I had like a di- completely different set of friends and, and whatever else in, in high school, I guess. It was just kind of something I did on the weekends or uh, we had practice like twice a week, Wednesday nights and Saturday nights. So that, that was a thing throughout high school for me. Um, and I wasn't, and, and it was like, 
I don't know. I was, I was, I was 15 at the time. That was my half my life ago, but over time, I guess, um, and more so once I started getting into college, I started realizing the, like the importance of having a space, like what the black sheep was like an all ages show space. Um, and I actually started like getting into music. It's funny because I was playing in bands like in that band before I actually was like getting into underground indie, you know, punk music myself. So it, it all kind of led to different things. And then real, once I moved away to go to college in Champaign um, was when I really started getting involved, I guess. I started booking shows and like I, I lived in a house over there in Champaign that that was putting on shows. So when it came time for me to move back to Springfield, I was like really determined to to do something in the the local underground scene. And I, I really wanted to be a part of the inner workings of what black sheep was, um, and all that. And so that all that kind of just led to, it's all turned into different things. And it's it, eventually it's led to where we are here, which, um, I have a record store and show space downtown now called dumb records. And that is so amazing. Like I have the biggest smile on my face because basically you're the next generation of, Um, keeping that all ages punk indie scene alive in Springfield, which pretty much at that point, I feel like. So, so what year were you born? How old are you, Brian? I was born on the last day of the eighties on December 31st, 1989. So I'm 30 now. I remember when you turned 30, by the way, (laughs) I remember that day. I remember your 30th birthday party. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. You guys were always such a neat group of students and just made me feel so special too. So that's, yeah, that was, that was really, um, that's really, wow. My mind just kind of, I think my brain just exploded. So it might take me a second to readjust. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Talk about full, full circle. So what's really neat to me to think about is just, when I came to Springfield, Illinois from New York City of all places, I was I was tired, I was broke, I just needed a sleepy town to just sort of reevaluate my life. I'd lived in Paris and London and New York in a in a span of like a year. <laughs> and right. um and New York, you know, I lived there during 9-11 and there was just it was just so much. And so when my friend was like, just come to Springfield, Illinois, I was like, well, I've lived in Illinois before, sure. And then um, and then I just was completely drawn to downtown. I think I worked at Floyd's Thirst Parlor first. Well, and around. That, oh, yep. that's wonderful. Like, so I was like one of the first employees at that place. They had just wow. opened. And Jimmy's um, sub shop. And um and so when I had moved there, I mean, it was a shock, right? Like I, I rolled into town with short black hair and like just just completely different, per- wearing fishnets and, and Chuck Taylors right. and <laughs> skirts right. and like, um, but what was neat was that I just fell into this tiny little music scene that was really struggling. So when I joined Resident Genius with, with Jason and, and Ben and Chris, um, it, was a, it was like the, the independent music scene was just kind of almost dying out. And, and we were trying to keep the fan of the flame going, like fanning the flame, because you had this 
pretty prolific, which I'm sure you could probably name a ton of bands, but like the Gunga Dins and um, Annihilate, they kind of had already kind of stopped playing. You had Park that had become kind of big because they started touring with um, Death Cab, Yellow I card. think. Yellow Card, yeah, on Barsook Records, which for me being a you know music nerd was like, oh, that's Death Cab and, um, right. you know, all of these like great bands that I loved. And, um, and so they were kind of, you know, doing stuff, but um, so we played our first show at Jimmy's and it was like five people showed up because <laughs> like we weren't the Gunga Dins, we weren't Annihilate and we weren't Park, but they weren't really playing anymore. So did, did you go to shows um, of those bands that I just talked about when you were in junior high? Yeah, junior high, like maybe like eighth grade was like when I started going to shows and I only really went to a handful, but it would have been 2003 that I started. And that was that would have been a pretty interesting time for Springfield the music scene in general, because like the asylum was a thing in the late nineties, which would have been before you moved here, but, and before I was heard about it. Right. And, and like now that I've been involved for so long and everything, I'm always all about hearing about shows like before I was going and all that. I'm like almost like a Springfield music scene history buff or something like that. Like even I'm always about hearing about stuff like that, even in the the eighties and seventies or so, you know, um, or hearing they they put on in the state armory which is like a block over from where i am but uh the the asylum was a thing from like 97 to 2000 and then briefly kind of came back as a place called the rise right i I got to go to one show at the rise before i joined the band yeah and it was so cool yep and i was never there but i've i hear good things about it it's it sounded like a really cool place um and that was springfield's all ages venue for a while and then there was a good four or five years when there wasn't anything as far as like a, a stable consistent venue in town so, right. which led to shows being at a lot of different places like bread stretchers downtown which is really cool that there was a place like that that like brandon carnes who was like 11 or 12 years old was able to book shows like or maybe like <laughs> So those were my first shows too, were, were his first bands. Like he had the, the band Midnight Fall and they played their first show at a place called Club 10. Um, and that was one of the first shows I went to, um, which was like a gym that just like had an event space. So shows could happen there for a couple of years. Um, well, well, before, um, before Bread Stretchers, we actually got together as a group of um, and our co-punks, Green Party people. So because obviously 9-11 happened, the Iraq war happened, Bush was in office, and we were very politically minded, which um, in Army of One was a play on the whole, um, you know, trying to get people to join the military and fight this fight. And um, so we, we actually rented out a house with a whole bunch of people called The Space. Did you ever hear oh. of The Space? No. So we would play shows in the basement, um, and 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 Jason was really good about um, reaching out to bands on MySpace. Like that was the before Facebook, right? That was the um, music connector, and MySpace really was to connect bands. And we had bands from Canada. We just like it was just this great. But I blame my I can't hear sometimes because thinking of like just playing in a tiny basement like 
every weekend and going to shows. But it was really neat because, and I don't know if it still exists today, but there was this really neat intersection of of genres that, uh, we would, we would play with. So we were, you know, indie post pop emotional punk. That was (laughs) the name that we came up with for fun. Um, but we were playing with screamo bands and like, you know, really hard punk bands. Is that kind of the thing today or is it still pretty like, Oh no, this is now we have this venue for this kind of music, et cetera. That's what I, that's one of the main things that I love about Springfield and the way our music scene's always been is that we are a big enough city to where there's always shows happening like pretty consistently or like on the weekends, but we are small enough to where it's all one, you know, like it's all one music scene. Like, like, yeah, different bands, like indie bands can play shows with punk bands, whatever, you know, it's, we, everybody knows each other and, and goes to those different shows. And And loves it all equally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So how has how has COVID affected both your record store, Dumb Rex, and mm-hmm. um, the music venue? Well, um, honestly, our the record store is doing better than it ever has been, um, which I feel very fortunate to be able to say. Uh, and that's probably because of a number of factors, I would say. We're just like at a really good place with, with vinyl, like people getting into vinyl and turntables and all that. It's again, become- I'd like to add again, because I, I, me and my friends had a huge record collections in oh, yeah. the early aughts. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is like the third wave of uh, vinyl. Right. Well, if you were collecting records like in the 2000s or so, that would have been the time to be collecting because they would have all been really cheap, you know? They people- were in um, Prairie Archives and um, um, Recycled Records were like our go-to places on the weekends. Um, Prairie Archives is great. The owner, Rob, is in my store every single day playing pinball. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, we're doing really well right now. We're not doing shows. Um, everybody's always asking me when we're going to do shows again. And I, I've given up on trying to project that at all. Um, we're doing fine without it ourselves. Like I know it's, it's a bummer that we can't have shows right now and probably won't be able to for a while. Um, but we have a small space too, like, like 50 people kind of packs out our, showroom as it is so we'll probably be the last place in town to start doing that again you know and also the midwest is a hot spot right now for the virus too so my my hopes aren't too high as far as shows go right now but um i will say that another big factor in how our store is doing right now is that like i was getting to be pretty burnt out on having to like run three or two or three shows every single week. Like before the pandemic hit, I was open from 10 AM to 8 PM every single day without a day off at all. And that was like kind of killing me. Um, so this has been a change of pace, of course. Um, it's been a little bit of a break for me, I guess. And I've really been able to just focus on actually doing the store as opposed to, you know, the whole show aspect is kind of like, I'm not booking shows anymore. I'm not spending time on making artwork for flyers or talking to bands and staying at the store until midnight. Some nights when we do shows, it's really allowed me to focus on making the store and the record store aspect of it, like the best it can possibly be. So that's, I guess I've been fortunate in, in that way, even though it's been a bummer not to have shows. We've also, 
Well, a whole other huge thing is that we've, we've taken the time to launch an arcade in the back of our store too. So that was like our big quarantine project. And that's been working that's out really amazing. well. Amazing! What kind of games do you have back there in that arcade? So it was like an old freezer unit and it's like a fairly small room, but like we fit, there's 10 games right now. There's about to be like 11 or 12 and five pinball, then like five standing arcade or four standing arcade games. Like we have old asteroids and then there's yes. a sit down. Yeah. Like, like it's from 1979 that the original asteroids with like the vector screen and everything. It's really cool. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. And you also are able to do this instead of working in the, in the, in the, in the shop right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, true. you also, you're, you're so much fun on Instagram. Thanks. Um, yeah, you, you really have nailed that, um, that way of marketing for your record shop. Like you're, um, you're constantly, um, showing what records are out, you're, um, you know, showing the vibe of the place. But my favorite is the continuation of how I knew you, which is your art. Um, and, and these like sort of, um, these thank you cards. Can, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that project and that aspect of your, of your business? Boy, uh, a couple of years ago, I started getting into selling records online, which is also a huge part of our new store since we've moved locations, we're, since we're downtown now. Um, I'm right across the street from the post office. And like a big part of this pandemic, too, of course, is like we, we had to shut down for two and a half months. So I'm only shipping out records to, that I sell on on this website called Discogs. Uh, so when I started doing online sales, I started writing notes to everybody because I wanted it to be more of a personalized thing. And I really didn't want any negative reviews as far as that goes. Cause like the rating system and reviewing system on Discogs is pretty big. So I was like determined to not have any negative reviews. And you know, I do, I do goofy doodles all the time. So I, I started doing a thing where I was writing pen pal letters to all of my customers on Discogs. So if you bought a record from me, but you still, if you still do, uh, I will sit down and write like a little thank you note and do a goofy drawing and you know, like that's what you get. So I've, I've been doing like an average of five a day or so for the past oof, couple of years. There's been well over a thousand. That's for sure. And a lot. It's one of those things. I have the problem of like, if I start something like that, it can't stop. And it's like, <laughs> kind of overwhelming now but I can't stop like how do I stop doing that you know I can't just send anything out normal now well and also it it gives you this sort of um trademark mm-hmm. how do you how do you come up with the ideas for your 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 silly to quote you like your silly weird drawings um and can you give an example of like a record and like a letter and um, just whatever stupid thing comes to my mind, I try not to think about it too hard because I really try to be like, okay, like I try to make sure it's like a half hour that I'm spending on each one of these. So it's like the more the more ridiculous the letter is sometimes the the better to me. And I'm sure like half the people kind of like 
like, what is this? You know, like, I feel like half the people just may, maybe like throw it away or toss it aside. But then there, I'm sure there's plenty of people that it just makes their day. And, and every once in a while, we'll get messages on there and stuff that people tell me like, hey, I just wanted to say, like, I really love the letter. And like, you really made my day and it's hanging up at home and, and all that. And then some people come back and keep ordering just just because of the letters, too. So yeah, they got to see what you're going to give them next. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see the, like the last one I did, I'm doing like Halloween ones, but like somebody ordered, uh, the record by the band, the hives. Um, I think they're Swedish, that band, but yeah, really good band actually, I can't believe you just said the hives. That's like, I, love the the hives. Yeah, really I, I don't, yeah. So somebody bought that record from me. Um, and I just drew a picture. A lot of times I draw pictures of myself as like an old man just cause like, they think it's funny. And I just wrote about how I got hives on my stomach from picking squash out in the, my garden or something like that. <laughs> and so there's a picture of an old guy like lifting his shirt up with, and I like drew a, a zoomed in to show the hives and I you know, <laughs> with crayon colored in like what hives would look like. Wow. That is that's freaking awesome. So, um, let's plug that, like, you know, tell, tell the listeners, where can they find you online? Where can they order records from you? And, um, and, and yeah, let's, let's go ahead and have you do that. Yeah. My Discogs username is just dumb records. Discogs is kind of weird because it's hard to search. Uh, it's like the full URL is discogs.com slash seller slash dumb records. But our website is dumbrex.com, D-U-M-B-R-E-C-S.com. And then there's like a tab for the store that'll link you to that and everything else. Okay. And so, then on Instagram? I'm dumbrex on Instagram, D-U-M-B-R-E-C-S. And I got to ask, Brian, how in the world did you come up with the name dumbrex? Oh, I feel like that kind of goes along with everything that we're talking about, like me doing these stupid letters and everything. I like my name because it allows me to do anything completely ridiculous and to just pass it off as like, well, we are dumb records, you know? Like, what would you expect? <laughs> right. Like I can do anything that doesn't make any sense at all. And if anybody questions it, it's just like, just kind of shrug and like, what? It's dumb records. Like just living up to our name. And also I will say too, when, at, when I started the store, which was seven, almost, yeah, it was seven years ago at this point. And it was at our old location that was right next to Black Sheep. I was like co-owner of the Black Sheep Cafe at the time. Um, and it just kind of came about, came up, like we were talking to our landlord and it was just like, oh, this there's this building next door and we could use it. Like we could do a record store. Um, and we were just like, hypothetically, how much would rent be? And it was $300 to share it with somebody else who was doing a glass blowing studio back there. So it was kind of like, hmm. Like we wouldn't, didn't have a lot to lose by doing something like that, trying it out, you know, and, and records were becoming more and more of a thing, especially with like touring bands that were coming and playing over at the Black Sheep. And I had a, a former roommate in uh, Champaign who started, who started doing a record store over there soon after I moved away from Champaign called Error Records. And I was like talking to him about it and asking like for advice and stuff. And he, when I told him how much like rent would be in the space and everything, he was like, he completely freaked out. And he was like, if you don't 
over there, like I will, and I will try to like organize volunteers to, to work there from over in Champaign or whatever. So like, because he was so enthusiastic about it and cause he had brought his distro to shows a lot of times at the black sheep. Um, and he always did really well selling records whenever he brought his distro and everything. And he was, he was just super excited about it. Um, and at the time we were like black sheep was right next to skank skates so it was like all of a sudden we had a record store and a skate park, indoor, indoor skate park, and um, the Black Sheep. And Brandon Carnes started doing a recording studio in a separate building right there. So it was like all of a sudden we had all of these things right there in one little block. And it was our own, it was like our punk rock DIY mecca there for a while. Oh, that sounds incredible. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous that wasn't around when I was there and totally into all of that. But wow. Okay. So how, what are your parents like and, and how did the, did they, how are they, how do they see you as, as you know, doing all this are they supportive like i don't know what i want to know what the galeckis are like the galeckis we my parents and my upbringing was very much the opposite of a lot of things about me right now um just like it was just very conservative christian everything you know like we were not allowed to watch scary movies or do a lot of things you know early bedtime all this stuff so me getting super into punk rock and everything was like me rebelling against a lot of that in a lot of ways. And, you know, the black sheep was, my parents were really hesitant on letting me go to shows, go to shows in general, um, go to shows over there too. And they always like hated, like talk about it being on the wrong side of town and all that, but that's, that's a whole, whole other thing. Um, but I think it's, it's been a lot of like over time, they've really, have been paying attention to what I've been doing and, and it's all been very positive, you know, like I, I feel like everything, of course, like what I'm doing right now, like with a successful record store and, and something that's actually definitely benefiting the community in a lot of ways. And over time they've, they've seen that like show through shows and all that is, is definitely like a positive thing for the community, I would say. So it's, I guess, I guess their, their perspective has maybe changed. I can't really speak for my parents, but I mean, when I was young, like 15 or 14 or so, like I understand them being weary about like me being out late, like on a, like even downtown or, or anywhere else. So there was that. There's many times where I snuck out of the house to go to shows. Like I had my yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I snuck out of the house to play shows sometimes. I, I wow. Yeah. Like my senior year in high school was like definitely that was my breaking out of a shell year. <laughs> I don't know. You might remember. Like I got in house your hair. I, I remember your hair. Your hair got really <laughs> wild that year. <laughs> yeah. So that was yeah. I, I dyed my hair at some point. Like I, I pied a kid in the face in the hallway at one point and got in-house suspension <laughs> and like my grades were starting to slip too. So, and I was like, my parents were concerned cause I was like doing all this band stuff. I was like more and more involved with playing shows all the time and my grades weren't doing well. So they like grounded me for the rest of the year at one point, like in the fall of my senior year. So I was rebelling a lot and I was sneaking out of the house and you know, I don't know. Just being they, young. Yeah. They, me and my parents are cool. Of course. Now they still live in town and they're, they're very supportive of everything right now. 
are they are they considered boomers or are they much older than boomers they are yeah they'd be boomers but uh like i was just listening to your amelia's podcast and my parents are the same age like born in 54 55 mid 60s now my dad's about to turn 64 like the beatles song right um but just way different than Amelia's parents because you guys, like you said, you were raised with the church. Yeah. And- my grand, my grandfather was a pastor uh, on my mom's side and he was like, like grew up very poor, like lived in a chicken coop at one point, like Michigan. And my dad was one of six brothers, like, and I was raised Catholic, I believe too. So, and I was raised very Methodist good, went to church every Sunday and all that. Oh my goodness. And, and how are your beliefs today? Are you, do you, do you kind of hold on to that? Um, or is it just not even a part of your thinking? Oh no, I would say like that all of my upbringing definitely is, has helped shaped who I am. And I value that a lot. And I, I don't have anything bad. Like I appreciate everything. Like, like even my time in, like I, I would say I went to a fairly cool church and like was able to do some cool things through church even like with with like we did Habitat for Humanity where we went and build built houses in like Wyoming and, and whatever else. And then there was another camp I went to every summer in high school called the Baby Fold where it was like these high school us like the high school campers went and met up with younger, more elementary school uh, children with disabilities and behavioral problems. Um, that were part of the baby fold school over there. And it was like, it meant a lot to those kids being able to interact and hang out with those high schoolers for the week. So I'm, I'm very grateful for those opportunities through, you know, my, my upbringing, I guess, and through my, the church. So, I mean, I've, I've moved away from a lot of that, of course, I'm just kind of doing my own thing and, you know. How, how hard is it to be a punk rocker um, DIY businessman in a town like Springfield, Illinois, that has a lot more conservative people than not mm-hmm. conservative. Yeah, you you might. I, I guess I you stick out. I guess that goes along with the name Dumb Records too. Is just like I've I've always been. I feel like just us existing is very punk rock. It's just like we're we're just something that's like. We're, we're usually causing some sort of ruckus in, in the city where, where otherwise like there wouldn't be anything like it there. Um, and especially with black sheep too. And, and like for like a, a important aspect and in, in time in my running black sheep and dumb records is I used to put on dumb fest um, every summer, oh, right. which I, yeah. And there were six of those that I did. And that was like, that was like one of the, biggest things I've helped to do or been a part of like whereas like there was in the last few years there was a total of 50 bands from all over the country and world even coming to play like different spots for the weekend in in Springfield um and and most of them were at Black Sheep in the skate park too but it was like amazing because people traveled from all over just to attend that festival and that was like to know that I could be a part of like organizing something like that. And in this town that I've grown up in all my life and, and 
most people think of as fairly boring, but here we are like people traveling from like bigger cities like Chicago and like even farther away, like viewing Springfield as like some type of punk Mecca or something like that. It's like, wow, we really did something amazing. And then we were doing like these crazy after shows that were like generator shows and like, we did one in the bike trail tunnel that's that goes under MacArthur and like Oh, I know that tunnel. What? You guys had a show there? Oh, we've had four or five at this point, but three of the dumbbells there were after shows there. We we had a, a couple after shows that were out my my friend Jeff had um like his family had a, a hundred year old barn that his great grandfather built, like way out in the middle of nowhere. We took a generator out there and had a show like an after show with three bands like in that barn and it was just like everybody like it's all wooden and old and everybody's climbing up the sides of it like as the bands are playing like on the inside and it's just like the most surreal thing like i ever have i like you can't you can't even plan for moments like those you know and and the fact that it just happened here in springfield is just like that that was life-changing like those festivals to me um i I can't even believe you did that. And again, I cannot tell you how jealous I am that I missed out on being the same age as you. Because <laughs> that is so dope. I can't even believe it. What do you think the punk ethos has? What does that mean to you as a human being and the DIY movement? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's just been like with Black Sheep, it was just I, it kind of taught me that you don't necessarily need a you, you don't need to have taken like a bunch of business courses or anything like that. Like DIY means just, just, you just do it, you know, you just, and, and with it, dumb records and everything, like we were just, we started that and have been doing it just because that's something that we want to see ourselves in this town. You know, it's not, we're not necessarily getting into doing a business just because we think it's going to make a bunch of money and we're going to profit from it. It's we're doing it because it's something that we want to see in this city and that, and that's it, you know, and it's, it's kind of just grown from that. So the whole punk ethos and DIY aspect of it has just taught me that you don't necessarily need that experience to just go out and do something. Like the, the best thing you can do is just to, to do it and give it a try. And even if you fail at some things, it's okay. Like you just keep, you learn from that and you, you keep, keep trying and keep doing it. Um, another big inspiration for me too has been like Miles Parkhill who runs Miles T-shirts, which I I worked for him for six years, um, and he was the drummer in Park. So that was a that was a very punk rock job too. And I got to see Miles's business expand for the six years that I was there. And I know he started just like screen printing shirts on his own in a garage. And I got to see how Miles really handles things. And and I would say it's pretty DIY, like in the grand scheme of things too, where he's, he's just always just going for it. You know, he's like, he's constantly expanding. They like, when I left the job, cause I, I moved to, to just work my store full time. He was moving into an even bigger space, um, that has all these different rooms and, and he's got space now for, for bands to record himself over there. Um, and all that stuff. So it's like inspirational to see miles doing that. And when I worked there too, it was like really cool because it was all my friends who were also involved in bands and all that. And it was a really cool job because I got to potentially tour or take off time for work to do Black Sheep and Dumb Records related things. And he completely understood. So I definitely, I definitely value those businesses that still have that DIY charm and that 
those punk roots, I guess. What what would you tell someone if they were like, oh, punk, that's like white supremacy, um, racist? Like What? I've never heard that before. Oh, okay. So the history of punk is there is um, there is a sub-genre that came out in the 80s um, when the punk um, scene had started um, that were full of skinheads and... Um, you know, just a really, so that's really interesting that you were, you were raised in a community where punk did not mean racism. It meant unity and for everyone and all ages. And here's an alternative to sitting around being bored, doing drugs or drinking. Um, like let's just party with music and each other. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm familiar with what you're saying. Like, I know that the, like even in Springfield in the nineties, there was some sort of a neo-Nazi presence or so. Um, I've never heard of people nowadays anyway, getting the term punk confused with, with any of that type of thing. Um, I would say maybe, maybe a bigger challenge throughout me being at Black Sheep and everything is, is that punk and DIY being too submersed and just being an all dude thing you know, and there's been a, I, I feel like a big push and I've been trying to do my part definitely over the years of like getting other non-white dude involved, you know, like in, in w- when it comes to booking bands and just getting people involved in general. So I, I would say that that's maybe been more so of a challenge. Um, and I definitely try to be mindful of that with like booking bands for Dumbfest and all of that. And I think that we've gotten complimented a lot, like as far as Springfield goes, like, and like people saying, Oh, like, it's really cool that this festival is happening and it's not like all dude bands, you know, and like try to make it a point that like less than half of the bands even are all dudes. So I don't know. Did that kind of answer the question? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and just really great to hear that you, are conscious of the fact that, you know, it tends to be, um, a a historically all white male group. I mean, I was the only girl in a band when I was, I mean, in a, in an indie rock punk band. Um, and so we were, we always made sure Jason was really so wonderful about bringing, um, either girl fronted punk bands or, um, girl bands, to Springfield and it, it just made me so happy. Like he got it, he got, and it was hard. It was hard. Like no one would talk to me at the show. (laughs) It was like, um, it was, it was really strange. And, and I felt like I had, um, like I felt so uncomfortable and I know that's changing. There's a lot more bands in Springfield actually that have girls and, um, and that's so neat to hear because it was just me and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a few times like we, we try to be creative, like like at Black Sheep and all that. And uh, there was a few years where we did something called Band Lotto, where anybody who was willing put their name into a bucket or a box that was just in the record store. It was open to anybody. And then we would draw names in groups of fours or fives. And it was those people had to get together and form a band to play one Whoa. show. They had like one month to do it. So that was like one of those things where it was really like encouraging kids or like, you know, non-males too, of course, like anybody really, like younger people especially too, even older people. Like that's how I started playing bass myself. And I was 
like 24, 25 at the time that that started, which would have been a lot older for somebody like going to shows even. So that was like one of those things where it was like pretty groundbreaking for, I feel like the Springfield music scene and like starting bands. And some of those bands kept going and playing shows, which was always great to see. Wow. They found that synergy and just couldn't stop. That is Mm -hmm. amazing. Brian, I have to tell you as an old, an old grandma hipster at this point, thank you so much for everything you're doing for, for the music scene in Springfield, Illinois. And, um, you know, as you, um, begin to slow down and, and maybe, uh, begin to pass the torch. Um, yeah, I, feel that. I, I also value the people, you know, I don't going along with like talk about ageism and all that. I really, I have a lot of respect for people who are not afraid to interact with younger people like that, you know, like, or go to shows when they're at whatever age. And I hope that I never stop myself. Like, I know it's hard to like, you feel out of touch. Like if you get to a certain age and everybody around you is really young and everything, but I've always like really valued the, the people that are not afraid to come to shows, like whatever age they are, whatever, if they're around younger people and all that. I, I hope I keep being involved, but also too, I understand the need to pass on the torch too, because it's important to let those younger, that younger generation get involved and, and do things on their own and learn. And create their own um, sort of version of what you you guys have created. So, I, I mean, like you were saying, like you created a, like a little block um, mm-hmm. that was just like that, that was so unheard of, you know, in the 2000s. Um, and so it's, it's so important that um, as older um, punk rockers that, yeah, we still support and we still show up. So thank you for saying that because that's so important, but it's also important for us to get out of the way so that yeah. the scene can, um, evolve and move and change and, um, and just become a better and better version of itself. And I think that it is so important for young people to see old punk rockers and share these stories because, it's almost like you said, you're kind of this um, sort of punk historian of Springfield, Illinois, and you have to continue to share those stories. So you have to continue to show up to the shows yeah. and hang out and mingle. Yeah, I, I got to say, too, like one one like mindset that I always try to steer away from myself and I, I feel like happens to so many of even my generation is just the thinking that, oh, shows used to be so much better back in this era or, you know, our day, not the same as it used to be and all that. That's something like I've been struggling with throughout. Like even when I started going to shows, it was that, you know, it was like, oh, it's not the same as early Black Sheep or the Asylum or whatever. And I think that that it is it is definitely okay to acknowledge that things are not the same. And things never will potentially be the same. Things are always changing, like especially when it comes to music scenes and, and all that. It's like always rapidly changing. But I think it's very important to embrace the past when it comes to that and also be very supportive of the younger generations in the future and, and things that are happening now, you know. Yeah. And and not I think it 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 takes away their their um it takes something away from them when we say, well, in my day, it was better. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really selfish and it's, and it's, yeah. it's a, it's a great way to halt what they're trying to do because 
in their eyes, they might be like, oh, scared to death and, um, you know, to even branch out from underneath the shadow of your generation or my generation or older. Um, and, and they're just trying to, you know, and, and talk about keeping the, the ages or the generations separated. That's a great way of doing it is saying stupid shit. Like back in my day, it was so much better. Right. Right. I've heard so much of that, like throughout my time being involved in Springfield, especially, I feel like I mean, it's probably uh, like relevant in all cities, but I feel like I'm always trying to fight against that, you know, that, that mindset. And even with myself, I have to stop myself from thinking that. Well, yeah, it, I feel like it's a rite of passage. You get to a certain age and you start going, well, you start hearing it come out of your mouth and then you go, but. Yeah, or the mindset that with like, I've seen so many people, like even myself, like had to, I've had to stop myself from thinking this way. But when you get to a certain age or have been around for so long in the music th- scene, you start thinking that everybody just kind of owes you or like owes you respect, you know, like yeah. type of thing. That yeah, was like I a- built this and, and you don't know who I am. It's it's just something I've I've dealt with and have had to stop myself from thinking that way through over the years. Because even though I've been so involved with the music scene and everything, like the the younger generation doesn't owe me anything, you know. Like I, like you know, we still gotta all chip in the five dollars to for shows <laughs> to pay the band, you know, because they still gotta go get from point A to point B. You know, it doesn't matter how old we are or how long we've been around or anything like that we we just all gotta still support each other you know and I think I think the all ages um world is is the most beautiful way to bring different generations together because you're all there supporting the same thing you're all talking about the same stuff and 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 there's there's such an identity to going to punk shows that is transgenerational and feels so freaking awesome when you're standing there and you see silver haired folks in leather jackets or, you know, um, green haired middle-aged people in their Chuck Taylors and these little, um, you know, 12 year olds in, you know, whatever they're wearing. I'm so out of touch. I don't even know what they'd be wearing, but I mean, and, but you're all there to do the same because you believe in it. And, and, um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm getting all misty eyed about it. Like, it's just so beautiful. (laughs) It's like the whole world should be that punk rock. (laughs) Definitely. Joe's also seen like such a thing of the past at this point too. It's like, I'm trying to even remember what that's like because it's been over half a year at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, if everyone, you know, does what they need to do and stops like having super spreader parties and being crazy, like maybe we can freaking do our life over again. But, um, but in the meantime, um, everybody, you should, um, buy vinyl from dumb racks and Brian, we've reached that point in the podcast where, I'm going to shoot out some rapid fire questions to you. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm, I am ready for this part. Okay. What is your favorite childhood memory? Um, it's hard to pick one, but I have fond memories of going to my grandparents in Michigan growing up um, and just being around the lake and seeing fireworks at the lake and all that. That sounds awesome. And I love asking millennials this 
what is your favorite 80s band or music or do you have one <laughs> i always have to ask that yeah, now of course i get i since i'm a record store owner i i can i like extend this question to like favorite 80s albums okay yeah absolutely let's hear it i'm gonna like, I'm gonna like ring off my top 10 really quick from the 80s here we go sonic youth daydream nation Minor Threat, like self-titled or discography, Operation Ivy, Energy, Wipers, Over the Edge, Fugazi, 13 Songs, Black Flag, First Four Years, X, Los Angeles, Bad Brains, self-titled, Suburban Lawn, self-titled, and Misfits, Earth AD. That's my top album. I have chills just completely covering my body. My ankles have goosebumps. (laughs) That's freaking awesome. Uh, Okay. A song? I that's really hard for me to pick a song, but I I have narrowed it down to two. I would say Sonic Youth, uh, Teenage Riot, which I feel like is pretty relevant to your podcast. And I was like looking up on that song, and it was like how it's it's basically a a nod to all alternative music and and subculture. Um, and the song Filler by Minor Threat will always give me chills. Because that's always the song that Kevin, like the main owner of Black Sheep throughout 10 years, that's always the song he would play first. He would just hit on his old MP3 player, Minor Threat, everything. And like that song would kick it off. And it just always takes, anytime I hear that song, it just takes me back to, to being there. And and always gives me chills. Beautiful. What about your favorite 80s film? I'm not a, as big of a nerd when it comes to films, like keeping top 10 lists and all that as I am with music. Um, and like I said earlier, I like grew up not seeing a lot of like classic films. I've been, I've been making it a point to watch a lot of classic, like horror films that I've never seen. Like in this last month, I've seen the exorcist and nightmare on Elm street and night of the living dead all for the first time in my life. Wow. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm going to go ahead <laughs> For favorite right now, I'm going to say Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> for 80 film. That's awesome. And um, why did you go to college? Wow. Um, it felt like the right thing to do at the time. Um, I will say that I'm not really doing a lot with the degree I earned right now, which was industrial design, um, even though I've done a lot with graphic design. And it's definitely helped me uh, get to that point to like doing graphic design for four years or yeah, for six years working at Miles T-shirts. But I also really wanted the opportunity to get out of Springfield and um, just be at a top 10 year university with a lot of other college age peers that had that came from different parts of the world, you know, um, and get that dorm experience and all that. So this is my favorite question. Um, what advice would you give people in any generation um, the younger generation, Gen Z, that's coming up, biting at your ankles to take over the punk scene, all the way to the silent generation, um, either to get them through the dark times or just life advice in general. Right. Well, I guess we already talked about how I like, I like, don't be afraid to go to shows or, or support the younger generation, no matter what age you are, you know, that goes for your younger people. Don't be afraid to be too, the youngest person there. Don't be afraid to be the oldest person there, you know? Yeah. Um, but other than that, definitely don't be afraid to have fun. You know, is something that I always try to value, especially with running a business. It doesn't matter if it looks unprofessional sometimes, like it's fun to, you know, just goof off like <laughs> a lot of times. Um, 
sometimes, yeah, I, I break the rules, uh, you know, skateboard down parking garages downtown, you, you know, throw, throw some trash cans off the top into the pit in the middle, uh, <laughs> uh, dive. That's my advice. Sta- stage dive and mosh hard, no matter what age you are, especially once we get to do shows again and wear a mask and wear a mask. Thank you, Brian. Oh my gosh. This has been so delightful. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.